0: To the book of Malachi, we return this morning in our current series of sermons through the post-exilic prophets, namely Haggai, Zephaniah, and Malachi. These three prophets ministered to the people of God after their time of exile to Babylon, hence the name post-exilic prophets, after some of them had returned to the land of promise. All three prophets found themselves having to address God's people at a time of spiritual low, uh, of dullness and of indifference to the Lord. It was not a happy time, spiritually speaking, in the life of Israel, in the life of God's people, when Malachi came in the Lord's providence to minister to them. In fact, Malachi had to say some, some hard things. He didn't pull any punches. He had to be quite direct in this hard-hitting book in which no one is spared, including, in fact, especially uh, the pastors who must set the tone and whose job it is to lead the people in worship both by example and by exercise of true worship, given in spirit and truth. That is what Malachi especially is taking on in this text. We'll pick up at verse 6 and read through verse 11 after we pray. Father, we know, we've confessed it even this morning, that our worship is not all that we would have it be. We know our own hearts. We know that uh, we are often slovenly in heart and in body in giving you worship. So we're ready. We're ready to receive your word because as we've also told you, we want to worship you in spirit and truth. We want to worship you in the way that you are worthy of being worshiped. So Father, because you are a loving Father, we're glad now to kiss the rod of your discipline. In Jesus' name, amen. Malachi 1, beginning at verse 6. Now, well, let me say, before we pick up at verse 6, may I remind you, please, especially if you weren't here last week, the very first words of Malachi's prophecy, the thesis of this entire book, is four words. Do you remember what those words are? I have loved you. Only when you remember that that's the theme of this entire book are you ready to hear the Lord's perfectly measured, disciplining love. Now we're ready. Verse 6. A son honors his father, and a servant his master. If then I am a father, where is my honor? And if I am a master, where is my fear?" says the Lord of hosts to you, O priests, who despise my name. But you say, "How have we despised your name? By offering food, polluted food, upon my altar. But you say, "How have we polluted you? By saying that the Lord's table may be despised. When you offer blind animals and sacrifices, that not evil? Now you might not kindle fire on my altar in vain. I have no pleasure in you, says the Lord of hosts, and I will not accept an offering from your hand. For from the rising of the sun to the setting, my name will be great among the nations, and in every place incense will be offered to my name, and a pure offering for my name will be great among the nations, says the Lord of hosts. But you profane it when you say that the Lord's table is polluted and its fruit, that is, its fruit, its food may be despised. But you say, what a weariness is this? And you snort at it, says the Lord of hosts. You bring what's been taken by violence or is lame or or sick. And this you bring as your offering. Shall I accept that from your hand, says the Lord? Cursed be the cheat who has a male in his flock and vows it, and yet sacrifices to the Lord what is blemished. For I am a great king, says the Lord of hosts, and my name will be feared among the nations. Now that I've read it, may I remind you one more time how this prophet started. I have loved you. You see, what we've just read is the expression of God's love. You say, well, it doesn't sound very loving to me. Maybe it didn't feel very loving. Well, it is, because it's the loving discipline of a heavenly father. And discipline doesn't ever feel loving at the time, does it? Children, (laughs) mom or dad give you a spanking. Do you say, oh, I just... Feel the love. (laughs) Love me more. (laughs) But they're loving you, aren't they? God loves us. And that's why he disciplines us and he tells us what we need to hear. He wants us to worship him genuinely and truly and really. The problem is that we do not like our... Spiritual fathers and mothers here, in this case, we don't love him as we ought. It's it's our fallen condition. It's what we suffer, isn't it? it? It's the thing against which we must struggle all our lives, even though the Holy Spirit lives in us. Even as the Holy Spirit is alive and dwells in us, we struggle and struggle. By his help, we do not love the Lord in worship as we should. We don't even love him as much as we wish we did. And no, we should. Not that our worship is always equally as far from where it should be week after week in this house, but let's just admit it. We come to the Lord's house, sometimes we come not ready to love God at all, but rather to meet our obligations. And as if that were not bad enough, even if we were to allow that God could possibly be pleased with worshipers who show up to meet our obligation, to offer obligation-level worship, the fact is the church hardly even rises sometimes even to that level. Look at the people in Malachi's day. They're offering obligatory worship, but their worship doesn't even rise to the level of their basic obligation. They're not bringing good animals to sacrifice to God, not even fair animals to sacrifice to God, let alone their best, the best of their flock to God. Even after we read it, they had vowed to bring You sang it a minute ago. You'll come to the Lord's house, Psalm 116, and pay your vows. They had vowed to bring the best to the Lord, but instead they were calling out the sick and the blind and the lame. I'll give God this one. I'll give God that one. But God says, I love you. I have loved you. And I would have you worship me that way in return. And if God loves us this much, I'm not saying this much, I mean this much, I mean more than we can possibly contain, if God loves us this much, if he chose us in Christ before the foundation of the world and joined us with his son in that love, if he loves us so much he sent his own son into the world to die for our sins, if he loves us so much that he went willingly to the cross in our place, then he knows it's good for us to love him. It's good for us to love him in return in a way that is commensurate with the love with which we have been loved. And what does the the kind of worship that God wants from us look like then? Well, it starts in the place where we can't really look, doesn't it? It starts in our hearts, where we can't look with our physical eyes, that is. It isn't the notes on the page of the, the hymnal. It's not the materials out of which the pulpits you know, built or, or the instruments that are used. It's the, not the amount of, uh, that we put in the plate or anything like that first. It begins in the hidden place. It begins in the heart. Look at verse 6. A son honors his father and a servant his master. If I'm then a father, where's my honor? If I'm a master, where's my fear? Says the Lord of hosts, you priests who despise my name. See, worship, true worship, worship that is worthy the God who has loved us like this must begin here with a worshipful attitude, with a motive in some from the heart. They didn't have any honor for God there. That's the crux of the problem for God in their hearts. No reverence, no godly fear. The reason they were bringing diseased animals to him, you know, the diseased animals, they were the symptoms. The problem, the sickness, the disease was here. And, and from those hearts, so self deceived, they, they convinced themselves, I have no doubt, they said, God ought to be pleased with this. God ought to be pleased with this animal. He should be, God should be happy that I show up at all. That I'm in the sanctuary at all. Down to verse 13, same thing. But you say, What a weariness this is. And you snort at it. In other words, they're bored. They're bored out of their skulls. With the worship of God, they find going to the sanctuary oh, so tedious, so boring. There are so many other things to do, so many more fun and entertaining things: parks and games, soccer and basketball, and and uh, uh, movies and Walmart. You know, there's so many more interesting and fun things to do, right? So they sniff at the worship of God because it's an inconvenience to them. And in fact, not only the worship they break, as we've confessed this morning, they they just toss the whole Sabbath day out because there's so many more fun things to do and more interesting. This matter of the heart's always been at the center of worship, hasn't it? It's been either the spring from which true worship flows like cold and refreshing water or the stagnant bog where it drowns in the moss and in the muck. You remember this, you remember the first sons, don't you, Cain and Abel? Eventually Cain kills Abel, and you remember why? It's over the jealousy that God received Abel's worship, but did not receive his own. And it can be difficult to discern on the face of the text just why it is God did that. But when you look at the text closely, at what Moses wrote, it becomes evident that it is a matter not of the materials that they brought, the one brought animal and the other fruits, but of the heart. Behind the worship. Literally, as Moses conveys the story, he he says this, literal translation, and Abel, he brought, indeed, even he, from the firstlings of his flock and some of the fat portions belonging to him. And the Lord regarded with favor Abel, and this is the order, by the way, he regards with favor Abel and his sacrifice, But did not have regard to Cain and his offering. Clearly the focus of the passage is not on the materials, it's on the men. Not the offerings, but the heart. There are four emphatic words to indicate that it was the men and their heart's condition that was the determinative factor in God's deciding whose sacrifice was acceptable. The text almost stutters in the Hebrew. Abel, he, he also, he... Brought and God had regard for him. He gazed toward, that is, he had favor on on Abel. And then on that offering, what made the difference between Abel and and Cain was not the difference between the material, as I say, but the heart behind the offering. Abel offered worship to God from a heart that was grateful, that was filled with love for the one who was redeeming him. Abel understood. He was saying in his heart, God, I know that my parents have sinned against you, and I know that I have inherited that sin, and I've sinned against you, and I know that you have every right to cast us Away, I know, Lord, that you could have ended it all, struck down my parents right there in the garden, but I also know my mom and dad have told me about the redemption that's coming through the seed of my mother. And I know that I'm part of that plan because here I am, a child of, of my mother. I know that there's a promise of redemption, and so he... He also, he gave an offering to God. I read a story this past week of a young convert, a young believer in Africa, whom... Began attending worship regularly in her local church. And and during the service, uh, the time came for the offering. And the plates being passed, you know, as it is in, in church typically down the aisles. Uh, she didn't have any kind of background at all, so she it's all very unfamiliar to her. But she notices as the plates being passed and people are putting money in the plate. The problem was that she was dirt poor. I mean, she had... Nothing, no money to bring, and and so when the plate was handed to her, she really didn't know what to do, and so she did something really interesting. She put the plate on the ground, and she stepped into the plate, and she said in a loud voice, "God, I don't have any money, but you can have all of me." You see, she got it; she understood. The point, in a way that I fear many of, oh my, how many of us get it or maybe have forgotten it, that, that in right worship we're saying, God, here I am, all of me, all of me. She knew that being so loved of God responds requires a response of love in return and that the only response... I mean, that only the re- that sort of response shows that we understand and grasp the kind of love we've been shown. We'll sing it together at this table in a, in a few moments. Brothers and sisters, love so amazing, so divine, demands my soul, my life, my all, the love that Jesus gave us on the cross. How shall we respond with love All of me. Lord, take it all. Then we're ready to talk about the material of worship. Only then, when the heart is right, then the substance of our worship will be right. And only then. God... God would have all of you which means which means that we come into this house not to give him a little bit not to give him the leftovers not to give him worship the kind of way we you know we take a trip down here to Goodwill you know we bring the stuff that we've got left over the stuff that we don't really want you know the stuff that it's still okay but it's pretty worn out so we give it to Goodwill right? that's not the way we worship we don't come in here slovenly and and sloppy and sleepy, wake up, (laughs) wake up. Uh, We don't come in here to drowsily make our way through worship. We don't come here the way we go to Walmart. We come here to give to God our best. And I'm going to leave it to you to work that out to work out what it's going to mean for you to bring your best to the Lord. Because I want to leave you with this. I want to leave you understanding the first point, so I'm going to repeat it again with a, with a story of sorts. You will know how to love God. You will show that you have come to understand the love of God when you worship him with this kind of love. Of course, there's the challenge, isn't it? Mark Guy Pierce was a famous English Methodist preacher who lived from 1842 to 1930. He was a great friend of Charles Spurgeon, and by 1900, because of his preaching and his book sales, he was a household name. Now, one day he was preaching, and a little girl came up to him afterwards and said, honestly and wistfully, Mr. Pierce, I don't love Jesus. I wish I did, but I don't. Won't you please tell me how to love Jesus? Well, Mr. Pierce looked at that little girl and he said, As you go home today, you keep saying to yourself, all the way home, you keep repeating yourself, Jesus loves me. Jesus loves me. Jesus loves me the next Sunday... The girl showed up, came back to church, this time smiling and radiant. She says, oh, Mr. Pierce, I do love Jesus. Last Sunday I went home and I kept saying to myself, Jesus loves me, Jesus loves me, Jesus loves me, just like you told me. And I, get, I began to think about that, that love. I began to think about how he died on the cross in my place, uh, how he sacrificed for me, how he forgave me all my sin. And I found that, that my cold heart was growing Warm And then warmer. And before I knew it, it was full of love for Jesus. And she worshiped the Lord that day like she had never worshiped the Lord before. Dear flock, as you prepare for worship, which preparation, by the way, begins not just on Sunday morning or even on Saturday night. It begins on Monday morning as you spend the whole week preparing for the worship of God, the best thing you can do is to go back to Malachi, one, one, or was it one, two? You get my point. Back to the beginning of Malachi. But you know what? It, it, you don't even just have to go back to the beginning of Malachi because it's all over the Bible. It's on every page. It's, it's shown in, it's told in words, it's shown in actions and over and over from cover to cover, if not in so many words, then in so many actions, God is saying to you, I have loved you. I have loved you. I have loved you. I have loved you. And when you let, when you've allowed that truth to saturate you, to saturate your heart and your mind, how loved you are of God with that amazing love. Then, then you will be ready to worship him. Then you will know exactly how to come into this house of worship. Then you will know exactly how and what to do, to give to the Lord worship that is pleasing and ready uh, for him. Then you will be ready to give your all to him who has given his all for you. Amen.